Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the podcast to Seek and to Save. This is Pastor Daniel at Living Savior Lutheran Church, along with Clint Westerberg. How are you, Clint? I'm doing well. Doing well. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for sitting in. We've been doing this like time of testing series where every, every chapter and story in the ministry of Elisha from 2 Kings has, has given us an example of someone in great need and how God addressed them and kind of sought a greater faith um, or, and worked a greater trust in him and, and how he provides for us in the midst of such trying times. Very fitting for our circumstances, right? Absolutely, it is. So good to have the word to reflect on and to be able to look to. Mm-hmm. So today is like the ultimate test. Yeah, I don't. It's probably not. I'm sure we could think of other tests that are hard, but this has got to be one of the worst and hardest mm-hmm. situations to be in, and it's it stems off of a siege. So think of like an ancient siege around a city wall. We're looking at 2 Kings 6, about verse 24, and it goes through chapter 7. So end of chapter 6 and end of 7 of 2 Kings, if you have a Bible and want to follow along. But this ancient siege has this devastating torture inside a city. If you're one of the inhabitants, you know, and you're hiding behind the walls and there's no there's no opportunity to get the resources that you need because you're obviously being cut off from everything on the outside that you need. <laughs> yeah, you're trapped in you're trapped inside the walls with no capabilities of anything. Mm-hmm. So, so as a point of reference, when when tell me a story of like one of your neediest, can you think of a needy time? Maybe if and it can just be physical thirst and weariness or hunger or something like that. Um, is there a memory that's powerful because it was, it was so bad? It's hard to say it was so bad, but, <laughs> and I, I remember it as a, I was anywhere from seven to nine years old and swimming all day and not eating, not drinking and being so famished that my, our parents gave us some money and my oldest brother took us to McDonald's and mm-hmm. I couldn't, all I got out of it was a cheeseburger and it wasn't <laughs> satisfying. It, 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 it's, it, when you repeat it, it sounds so, so first world problems. <laughs> <laughs> All I got was a cheeseburger. <laughs> Take that to the streets of Samaria under siege and see how far your complaint gets. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> That's why when looking through this story and seeing just how bad it was, it, it is eye-opening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. you go through it and you see the desperation to... It's people were leaving the city. I once again I want to dive right in. Want to dive right in? (laughs) Oh, it was nasty. Oh, it was so nasty. And it starts off with some epic descriptions of this siege. So um, I don't know if I have a story of any proportion. I don't have one. 
of being in this position. Yeah, I've been been like (laughs) shivering and shaking in a bed from some sort of bug or or virus. I remember in Mexico that was, you know, how many trips can you make to the bathroom? You can't take in any fluids and you can't take in any food. And um, I think Anna, my wife, has been in a worse situation when it comes to that once on a trip that she took but um they're hard times Mm -hmm. and you can't think about anything else and i can only imagine what it would be like to begin to starve with your family behind the city walls so they're talking about how like you can still spend your money to buy a donkey's head but the inflation rate in a city under siege meant that like you paid like your whole life savings away for the head of a donkey, which is like the last thing you'd want to eat. You know, I think they often, they also mention, uh, this is verse 25 of chapter, uh, chapter six seed pods. And it's possible that it's also could be like doves dung. And it's kind of hard to know with the language, but basically these are like the last, the last things, but you have to look for, Maybe an animal that's a vegetarian, you know, that uh, an animal that is not a carnivore, you know, and and maybe you can eat its poop or something like that. You're just looking for anything that your stomach could possibly tolerate without killing you or killing you as quickly as some other things. It was that bad. Yeah, it's it's beyond bad. It is the... (laughs) utmost desperation of having absolutely zero yeah it's it's hard for us to wrap our heads around Mm -hmm. my story is so non-comparison to what they were going through absolutely i doubt many people have yeah a a story that would compare i'd be like yeah i've been in that You know, it, it's just so rare. We can count so many different blessings. Yep. Well, there's a couple things in the context that we can highlight. One is that this is um, the enemies are the Arameans. They're back and they're kind of from the northeast um, and they they're invading and trying to take over Samaria again. So it's a it's a nagging enemy that's back yeah. and their army under Ben-Hadad is, has laid siege to Samaria. This is the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. So they're back and they've got you surrounded. They have you under siege to kind of choke the life out of you and um, that you end up, you know, suffering severe want. And, and that's kind of where they are. And so this as sort of a sign then of the times, how desperate it was. And this is actually comes up um, in another book of the Bible, how desperate it was, was uh, these, this woman comes before the king and she says, I had agreed with this other mom that we were going to eat my son one day, the baby. And then the next day we were going to eat her, her son. And you can't, like, I, I think there's not a person on the planet that would say, yeah, that's okay. Or I could see myself doing that. And I just, there's a part of me that wants to withhold judgment, even though I think, no, 
I would rather die than eat a child. I can't yeah. imagine it. And I, I'm so I'm so thrown off. I think you get so thrown off by reading this in scripture that this was her thinking. Yeah. You know that and she comes before the king because well guess what happened? The two moms eat her son and then it, the next day it's time to eat the other mom's son and she refuses. And it just the whole description and the whole visualization of this story is we don't know and mm-hmm. we've never experienced that kind of torment and pain. Yeah. But you're 100% right. I I thought about the judgment aspect of it also, reading through it, thinking mm-hmm. I'd rather cut off my arm to feed my child than to eat my child, but mm-hmm. haven't been there. Mm-hmm. How do I judge somebody that has went through something that traumatic that and there was no end to the siege it Mm -hmm. was it's mind-boggling really but Mm -hmm. to see what happens next is yeah yeah it's huge yeah so the second thing to keep in mind is based on what's coming later and i just want people to hear this now is based on what's coming later it seems like elisha the prophet of god had been telling people, because he's also under siege, he's in this capital city, Samaria, he's stuck in there too, and he's starving. And he's been telling people a message from the Lord that says, don't surrender. You know, like surrendering would end, we become the slaves, we at least get food and we survive if we surrender. And he was saying, the Lord is going to deliver you, don't surrender. And so there's... There's this pressure cooker, right? This time of testing. And God has allowed things to become so extreme that these women are even contemplating, and not just contemplating, they have eaten one mother's son. And you could say, how could God do that to them? But the other corollary would be to say, this reflects these the, the women's faith. Yeah. And it basically shows that they didn't have any faith yeah. in Elisha or the word of God. They were resorting to their own measures rather than waiting. Yeah. And maybe they felt like they couldn't make it another day, but they obviously weren't trusting God to see them through and to give and to deliver in his time and in his right timing. They they were doing something in their own hands. Do you get that sense from Oh, I, the story. I, I do. I see that they took it upon themselves. It was, mm-hmm. I'm done waiting on God. It's time for us to do what we need to do. It, it reminds me of when Moses went up on the mountainside and the people couldn't wait 40 days and had to create a golden calf to worship. It's... Mm-hmm the patience aspect but it's good to hear because i lose patience too and Mm -hmm. i need to be reminded that god is in control and we need to put all of our trust and faith in god even when we think that things aren't looking good or things are changing in our lives and we may not see it as a good thing knowing that God still loves me and Mm -hmm. has me wrapped up in his arms, 
that's yeah. where I need to be back here yeah. and reading this. Yeah. You can't underscore it enough. Faith is, words of God like that are given to us to be used. Faith and a relationship with God is meant to be used. I say this because we shouldn't expect to have a word like peace with God or forgiveness in Jesus without a need to heal something with those words. Yes. We're going to sin, and we God gave us a word of forgiveness for that very reason. The promises and the words that God gives us about caring for us are, are meant to help and heal the stress and anxiety uh, that we have in our hearts and lives. So he is always addressing every good thing God says is because... There's so much bad things that, that require a good thing to be said, right? Oh, yeah. Every promise of, I'm going to be with you, addresses somebody who feels alone. Yeah. And, um, and powerless. And it, it, you're right. Without those trying times, you end up trusting in your own self-sufficiency. You end up trusting in your own stuff, and there's no room for faith. You kind of actually eliminate faith. And yeah. sometimes it, it seems like this is what we want out of life is to have a life that doesn't need to use faith. And God says, that's not, a, that's not life. That's yeah. not living. You, you need to know the vulnerability in your success. You need to know your vulnerability in the midst of all times. And I need to teach you that trusting me is the only life. Absolutely. So this comes, I want you to see the gift. I want people, our people who are listening to see the gift God was giving or aiming to cause a full despair in people so that all they had left without food and without water was the word of the prophet. And you're in this small space. Am I going to listen to what Elisha has to say? Or am I going to do my own thing? These yeah. women lost the faith in the word of the prophet, but don't don't get it wrong. They had faith. It was just in something else. Yeah. And it was now a faith in survival of the fittest. It was a now faith in we're going to do this on our own terms. They were putting faith in their own narrative. Like the king responds to the woman when she comes asking him for help and for justice about this other mother who hid her son. The king despairs, and he oh, says, yeah. this is from the Lord. How am I supposed to help you? I don't have a wine press. We don't have a threshing floor. Those are all outside the city, all our food sources. How am I supposed to help you? He's, he's throwing up his hands and saying that this is strictly punishment. He has no hope from the word of God. He only sees it as God's heavy hand that is ultimately going to take their lives. Yeah. God is killing us. That's his story. And he's trying to take it on his own shoulders. How am I going to solve this problem? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's not the God tells us to work and to work for his glory, but we're not the ones in charge. Mm -hmm. And that's a good reminder that we work, but we work for the glory of God in all that we do. Mm-hmm. And once we start saying this is for me and I'm doing this, yeah, mm -hmm. I need to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I, absolutely. Uh, we all do. And it's what makes trying times like COVID an opportunity for us to put to death a self-reliance that has no place in this world. Yeah. 
and it's time for us to squash success that and control and those feelings of um, life on my terms and instead be open to the work of the greater work of God, the, the most important work of God is to teach us that our other idols in life will always disappoint us. There's only one thing to put our trust in. It's going to carry us not just through through life and navigate a course here in this world, but is going to conquer death for you and take you to heaven. And God wants to teach us this, you know, and we sometimes I think we we don't let trouble run its course. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying look for trouble and I'm not saying you can't do what is there for you to do. Yeah. But when all you have is a word and you're just simply starving and you, but there's a prophet telling you don't surrender, this is what the Lord says, I'm going to deliver you, then listen to the word of the Lord. They had a specific word of God to put into action and to use for their faith. And we see that they weren't. And Elisha was a proven prophet. You look at the stories previous to this and... Mm-hmm. He was faithful. He was God's servant. And yeah, you we up. have that in Jesus Christ. And this is where we all get to share with one another that glory, mm-hmm. the victory over death. Yeah. Nothing can beat us. Yeah. Nothing. That's... you make a great parallel with jesus because his miracles are like these miracles we've seen in elisha's ministry where they were meant to underscore the prophet's word as not just being of a person but being god's sure true and reliable word that's going to see you through and this is the nature and quality that we know the bible as a whole has for us and jesus came not just to feed 5,000 and to heal sicknesses and diseases, but that his actions would underscore that heaven is talking here and God has a word for mankind on which you can bank, on which you can set your hope. And the opposite now happens as the king tears his clothes, the people see he's got this sackcloth on and maybe he's thinking that if I I wear the right mourning garments, you know, this rough stuff that shows that shows something, like it's a demonstration of something to God. If I do the right stuff, God would release this, but he wasn't. Yeah. And so then the king sends a, you know, a headhunter after Elisha and says, he says a curse on Elisha, um, and his head shouldn't remain on his shoulders anymore today. Yeah. And so here comes a murderer, and Elisha is given by God the knowledge that this guy's coming to his house. And he says to some elders who are around him, can you hear the footsteps of a murderer who's coming to my door? And the king, his master, is right behind him. Because I think the king sent a murderer after the prophet because he's so upset that this is from God, he's blaming God, and he wants to kill God's prophet. So he's so upset, he sends this murderer... But I think he feels bad about it. Yeah. And so he's chasing down the messenger and he's really pulling his hair out. He's really upset. But he also, I think he's getting like gun shy. Like he can't, 
Kid. He's nervous about the consequences of actually cursing God's prophet. Oh, yeah. And so this is what happens as they get to the house and you kind of have this line of, you know, how long am I supposed to wait this out? This is from God. Yeah. Elisha, you're, you're, you're full of it. There's no way, there's no way we can keep this going. How long are we supposed to wait? Isn't that an interesting thing? Why should I wait? This disaster is from the Lord. It's the last verse of chapter six. It's, uh, <clears throat> he gave up. He did, Yeah, he's done. He thought, look at me. I'm suffering more than anybody else because I'm wearing sackcloth. Mm-hmm. I've, he believes I get the feeling that the king believes that I've done nothing wrong, but yet this still happens. I'm sick of it. I, it's time for my revenge. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it's a desperation like I've never seen, mm-hmm. but yet I've personally been in the king's role where I feel like I'm treated unfairly. And I'm being persecuted unjustly. And it's good to read this and see that. And I haven't even experienced what the king experienced in the minute aspect. But Mm -hmm. I've had the same sinful heart that has had these feelings that nobody else has experienced what I've experienced. And I have that so rough. and. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, my experience is getting one cheeseburger. From my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. We're actually going to talk about this on Sunday. That you know, you get this sense that he thinks he can program God. Yeah. And okay, if you're going to send this disaster on us, and what you want is for us to like turn away from our wicked lies. Well, here, look, I will yeah. rend my garments. I will wear sackcloth. I'm going to put on the right repentance clothing yeah. as this demonstration of, but his heart really wasn't in it. Exactly. And he wasn't really the the Lord's king yeah. where he was going to serve and really turn to the Lord and, and trust in him. He was just let me just do step one and do step two, and then you give me the outcome that you're supposed to give and deliver us already, right? Oh, yeah. So he shows up and he and he's and he's at his wits end, and Elisha gives him this word that the the whole economy will be turned on its head by this time tomorrow. I just think that's so cool. <laughs> by this time tomorrow, the a, a whole. A whole batch of the finest flour will be sold for just a shekel. Like, you know, it's going to be the cheapest flour in the marketplace tomorrow. And all this barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Nobody would believe that the economy could turn on a dime like that. You know, you're spending your life savings on a donkey's donkey's head. head. (laughs) And now you're supposed to be able to buy flour and barley tomorrow? Yeah. No way. Like, they don't. Who would believe this? So there's an officer, like the trusted officer of the king that's there. And he says, even if God would open the floodgates of the heavens, could that be true? Isn't that? <laughs> he, he's filled with this doubt. He's like, no way. Yeah. The, the wind, you know, you could turn heaven into a, an open window and dump all the buckets of rain on the land. You can make everything bountiful and flourish around here. And there's, there's no way that's true, Elijah. Yeah. So... 
Elijah says, you will see it with your own eyes, but you won't eat anything. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) This is the consequence of doubting the man of God. This talk about a test. How many times does scripture do this for us? It, It tests people and it stares them in the face and says, you can trust the miraculous word of God. You're going to need to. You have to. You're gonna, there's going to be a death. You're going to die. And you need to trust him who is the resurrection and the life. Yeah. There are going to be sins that make you feel guilty and ashamed. And you need to trust the word, the only word that can assure you you're forgiven and give you comfort. It's always a miracle. It's always an impossible. And here's here's the prophet who says, no. In fact, there's a punishment on such unbelief. You're now not going to get to eat. Yeah. But you're going to see it. You're going to see it. You're going to experience it, but you're not going to get any of the reward from it. So if you're listening to this, just think about how God is pushing you out of normal cause and effect, out of normal circumstances in the world to say his word is more reliable than any one plus one equals two, than any programmable aspect of life, than any retirement account or marketplace economy or circumstances you think you can rely on. You can't, but you can rely on his word. It's that sure he's never failed in keeping his word. No. And that's your takeaway. Yeah. He promises it to us every day. Mm -hmm. In the love of Jesus. And it's all the more obvious in what kind of a circumstance when things are impossible and only God could do such a thing. And even it comes from the captain's own mouth. Heaven would have to open the floodgates. This would take a miracle. And Elisha says, exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get one by this time tomorrow. So the story, let's conclude the story. I'll tell you a little bit of what happens next. So there are some lepers. Lepers are always kicked outside because they're contagious and stuff. And they're kicked outside of the city and um, because you can't spread that disease. So these lepers are out there and they're stuck in like this middle. They're not Syrians or Arameans. They're not with the enemy. And they're not inside the city walls. And they say to themselves, if we go into the city, we die. If we stay where we are we die. But if we go and hand ourselves over to the enemy that's laying siege of the city, they may spare our lives or they might kill us and we'd still be dead. All three scenarios could end in death, but there's only one that gives us the hypothetical life and that's to turn ourselves over to the enemy. So these lepers leave where they are and they go towards the enemy camp. And for some reason they go in the dark of night and it's twilight. And you can barely see. and But they, they notice that the camp has been entirely abandoned. That God, and here's the miracles, that God had sent such a noise among the Arameans that they all left everything. They didn't, they didn't untie a horse because they were so scared. They didn't want to waste a single millisecond. And so ran. they just run. They don't pick up anything. That whole scenario of like, if your house were on fire, what would you grab? They didn't have that scenario even. They just ran. (laughs) They left everything. They were that scared. Can you imagine? So these lepers 
show up at, at their camp and they begin like loading their arms with all these things you know it's, it's, it's so great and they're like this is wrong <laughs> we're sitting in all these piles of yeah. goods while everybody in Samaria is starving to death we should Dying. tell them shouldn't we yeah. <laughs> this crisis of conscience because they're enjoying so much while their families oh, are yeah. starving behind the walls I guess it's not that funny so then they they go it's twilight right it's like early in the morning they go and they tell it to the king and the king is like you can't be serious like they struggle to believe it but they send out like two horse horsemen with chariots or something like that yeah and this army has fled all the way across the jordan river they ran in in the dead of night which is like to go northeast from samaria and hit the Jordan River is like 20 miles. And so these horsemen, I guess if they're going 20 miles an hour, yeah. that they're going, they could probably be in sight of the Jordan River in one hour. Yeah. Or, and I'm sure it's a little longer than that. But they they make this long trek, and the whole way, the people are so panicked. They've shed their coats. They've shed their swords. They've shed any dead weight that they could get rid of they as they run away. This whole point. path, they said, they, they come back with this report that the whole path to the Jordan River has been paved with cloaks and wow. garments and swords as, they, as this army has fled. So they come back and they say it's true. And so it's, it is the very next day. Yeah. The city is opened. You have everything that belonged to the Arameans, all of their food and Stop all of their supplies. Supplies, yeah. and Elisha's word comes true. Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's the, and the close of the chapter. Get this for this. This is well, like prophetic irony. You know, it's like yeah. prophetic humor, and it's maybe not really funny, but it, it does make a huge spiritual point. The people inside the city run so fast to the supplies of the Arameans. First come, first served, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they run so fast through the gates that that captain gets, tramp- gets trampled. Yep. So Elisha's word that says, you're going to see it with your own eyes, but, but you won't eat it, comes true. Yeah. And he saw, he saw the new economy of the next day, but he was trampled at the gate. And it's... This is what where this is the mic drop of God. Yeah. This is where he drops his mic. This is where the prophet is like, "Why, why won't you turn to the Lord and just live as His people? He doesn't let you down." Oh. And there's the mic drop. He loves you. <laughs> he, does, <laughs> he does. I'm sorry if you if you doubt that word, you're just plain wrong. And yeah. don't wait to the last day for God's mic drop to fall. Oh. Oh. and what a seeking word for all of us. It is. Such encouragement, such joy mm-hmm. to have that word, even when we do feel that we are being persecuted, we know that we're victorious, mm-hmm. so we're good. Yeah, and for today us, is so good to hear this for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we we all, we struggle with the day to day. We struggle with the grind, and our eyes come off of the heavenly riches that we have and they turn to this tug of war and this in the trenches kind of life dealing with goods and resources and managing wealth and 
seeking wealth and greed and you deal with all of this and you lose track of of the God that you have and the way I can let go hold on to him and let go of the things of this world yeah it's a different it's a different life so to end the podcast here now you can look back and say why did God write the story why is all this accounting given in front of us in the second half of chapter 6 and chapter 7? Can you not tell that even though it was a really bad situation and people were starving and these women did what they did and it's like, I can't, you could, you want to blame God with the king, yeah. but then you realize it was their own unbelief. It was their own rebellion against the word of God that could have been their comfort and their stay there one more day. Yeah, there yeah. one more day. And um, and they didn't. But this is the this is the seeking and saving. This is what the word of God is saying to you is: put yourself in this. Recognize the same tension that exists between you and the word of God. Yeah. God is pleading for you to trust Him, no matter what the circumstances. For you to read His word and take it to heart that He will deliver, um, no matter what it looks like. That's so a, and that's our takeaway. And I it say is. that's that's worth it, Lord, to it teach is. us this. This is worth it to test us that way and to and to push us into those circumstances to say there's only one thing you can rely on in life. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amen. What a difference. So beautiful. So beautiful. Any other closing thoughts? It, uh, I think it's important to realize with this with this account how God has to show us how difficult the Israelites and the people went through just so we don't try to one-up them mm-hmm. and I I look at it that way it it's something unimaginable but God had purpose in it mm-hmm because I know from my sinful heart, it, you, nobody's had it as bad as me. You know, mm-hmm. and I know that that's not true. And I know mm-hmm. but my sinful heart will try to drag me down that road. And God's like, let me teach you what suffering really looks like. And, yeah. and how, the purpose for it. And the purpose for it. Mm-hmm. And how I will love you. And I will always love you yeah. so much that I gave you my one and only son mm-hmm. so that you have victory over death. So much that I will allow the squeeze in your life to teach you what will fail you yeah. and and point out he does. It has that kind of love. It's the seeking and, and the saving nature, yeah. which yeah. is which is the whole point of the podcast. Yeah. And I... We need to we need to grab a hold of these more sure signs and take them into all those hard parts of our our lives and and understand that it's not chaos that rules yeah. these hard things in my life. There is a God with a purpose and it's not purposeless. It's it is purposeful and it's His purposes and most of it is me and His Word. Yeah. It's for the sake of that relationship between me and my God and. Um, there's nothing more valuable than that. That's what God knows. So and for anybody out there that just, I hope and pray that this reaches the people who 
Because we all need it. We all need to know God's love. Yes. Were you going to say if it reaches the people who are considering eating their kids? (laughs) If if this reaches your ears, please don't. Please Please don't. don't. God God has you. We we can help. Just give us a call. We can. We'll take you to the grocery store. Absolutely. Call, (laughs) write, email, text. Oh, man. Uh, And Clint will even cut off his arm for you if needed. I will. I will. Aren't you glad we circled back to that? (laughs) Well, God be with all of you and uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen. Amen.